Chatsfield, man. It's like I'm I'm about craft. Do you mm-hmm. get me? Like I've seen <laughs> I've seen so many gigs where like, for example, I always say this to my musicians, like. I'm prepared to play without you. you know? yeah. I'm prepared to do this on my, I've done so I can do a solo gig. Ooh. If you turn off the lights, if you cut the electricity, smoke, I play the drums. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, because this is happened. Save your money, sir. That's yeah. your, <laughs> so like, you said you got the Colt 4-5 and you're Of Don't Alert the Stands. You're here today with your host, Eads McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Shoppe. And we have a special guest today. Shoppe, do your introduction. So, yes, today we have a very special guest. Uh, he is a two time MOBA award winner, a drummer, percussionist, DJ, record label executive, and also one of my best friends, Big Brother. Big Brothers. <laughs> we have Moses Boyd in the building. say how's your day been but we've been with you for the last two hours we've had a fun little adventure we have are we gonna say what's happened should we say what happened oh guys i feel like whoever's given us the bad luck just stop <laughs> right now it's only february so we, we, might well, we might as well just say what happened quickly uh so we went to a recorded studio earlier today and we weren't told the equipment we needed to bring with us so we ended up going there not knowing or using any of the technology uh, so we got in Moses' car, we just drove around for an hour to get to the new studio, and we're here now. So it's been a very, very busy day. And we bought um, him lunch. We, yep, yeah, yep, we bought lunch, we got KFC, KFC vegan, vegan burger. burger. Not um, sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do the right thing, KFC. Yeah. <laughs> get us on. <laughs> but how's everyone doing? How's everyone doing? Good, good, good. Um, the album's just come out. And while we're in the car, I found that it charted. Oh, so, where's, where's yeah, it charting? Yeah. Uh, top 20 at the moment. Wow. So, Phenomenal. Yeah, On yeah, an yeah. independent release. Yes, yeah, yeah. All so, the money is his. I'm, <laughs> yeah. So I'm good. I'm happy, man. I'm happy. No, well done. Beautiful thank stuff you. to see, especially as an indie act in the UK. It's, it's amazing to see. Thank and you. Thank you. Stick there and we're going to get weeks. into that more later on in the episode. Nick, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, it's been a busy week. Uh, the the what are they called the storms and all that kind of stuff whatever names they're given a bit of wind and rain has just been annoying but um we're in storm dennis now isn't it storm. yeah storm dennis storm dennis from storm sierra to storm dennis um i'm good just trying to dodge this coronavirus out here <laughs> and um 
Yeah, that's about it. Man said we're avoiding storms and viruses, viruses. (laughs) but I'm good. 2020, guys, global warming, all this kind of stuff, you know. Um, Yeah, Babylon. Babylon strikes again. Anyway, Shope, how are you? I am tired. Okay. And that's what I'm going to keep. Because I know we're short for time. No, but I can understand why you'd be tired. Um, It has been a very, very busy day, like we said, but it's going to be a productive episode. Mm -hmm. Me, I'm good. I just wanted to do a quick shout out and... um, kind of not silent but like appreciation to the people that got sent back to Jamaica recently um there were some things going on there was an ongoing issue of like the Windrush generation being sent back to Jamaica um so I thought we'd just give the opportunity just to say it's a sad thing that's going on at the moment um and to all the families that are affected we're sorry this is happening hopefully something changes in the future um but yeah I just wanted to say that quickly um but other than that I'm good um it's been a very interesting week Yesterday was Valentine's Day. Leaving it at that. No comments from these two people sitting on the couch, please. Hope you had fun. Um, we know we had fun. It was a good day. It was a good day. Um, so yeah, that's me. Should we go into the music section? So shop it. Yes. So now we are all going to go around and discuss what we've been listening to for the last week. So I've only got one this week. So it is Brent Fires' latest EP called Fuck the World. I was under the assumption that it was actually an album, but... I was actually told it's actually an EP, which is strange. It's 10 songs, but okay. Hey ho, live your life. And um, I can't really say too much about it because I'm still kind of digesting it, getting into it. But I really do like it. To me, it's not as strong as his two previous projects, but it is still a nice listen nonetheless. And I just wanted to take this time out to discuss one song in particular called Been Away. So I've noticed over the last two or three years of being a Brent Fires fan that he has various songs which closely and heavily resemble the production on Aaliyah's One in a Million album. And then, so, Been Away on this latest project, Make Love, One Night Only, The Sonder Song. And I just, like, want to just put that out into the universe that I think Brent Fires is an Aaliyah stand because all those three songs I just named, you can't tell me those, that is not Timberland, that's not Static Major, that's not 1996, Aaliyah, Genuine, Missy Vibes. So... Shout out to Brent for just bringing that vibe because a lot of people say, oh, it sounds like Aaliyah. No, no. This actually sounds like something that could have been on that album. But um, yeah, it's a very nice listen. And um, yeah, that's it. Brent Fires. Just Brent Fires for today. Nick, do you want to go next? Should I go next? All right. So I've only got one listen this week and it is uh, Lonnie, Coron, Jaman, Shuka, Rashid, Lin. I just love his name. I think it's amazing. AKA Mm -hmm. Common. So I've been listening to B this entire week um, just because I've always appreciated um, Common's pen, but I've never really actually backdated to some of his older albums, never actually taking the time to sit down and listen to them properly. Um, So when I had the opportunity, I was like, okay, love it. Love the wordplay. I love um, the Kanye production. Um, And I love how just soulful the project feels. Um, So yeah, I really appreciated the music. Love Is is probably one of my favorite songs on there. We tweet it from our Instagram account. Um, also I love Go and um, there's a song at the end which isn't on the UK version I can't remember what it's called um, but there's a part one and part two which they've condensed together but I think it's a really incredible album um, definitely listen to it if you haven't listened to it or any of Common's old stuff um, you can definitely see where certain people are influenced by him as well I'll give Loyal Connor as an example you can tell that Loyal listens to a lot of Common even the flow to the selection of beats to cadence everything is pretty much exactly the same probably in a slightly more updated version but you can definitely hear that he's been influenced by him um so that was common b 
Nick. Cool. Um, so for this week, I actually uh, paid attention to D Smoke's uh, debut um, post the reality show Rhythm and Flow that he was on last year and won. Um, I'm not usually a fan of reality show winners, to be honest, um, as of late, just because I feel like they get a machine push and it doesn't really, in most cases, highlight their artistic self in the first few eras. But um, with D Smoke, this definitely, you can tell it's him and him speaking about the album kind of reflected that even more so in some of his press runs. Um, but it's called Black Habits. Uh, it was released, I think, last week and it features the likes of his brother, Sir, uh, Snoop Dogg, Jill Scott, and Ari Lennox as well. So yeah, it's great. It's about 16 songs long, an hour and two minutes. It glazes across kind of older school, 90s hip hop. Um, so for hip hop conventionalists, I think you'd love it. I love the song with um, Snoop Dogg. It's very West Coast vibes. It's very conceptual rap. It's very reminiscent of the likes of, um, even though he's not from the West Coast, but Wale, um, your kind of J. Cole's, that era of music as well. Uh, and I feel like Kendrick Lamar comes through in terms of its accent. They're from pretty much the same area in California as well. But what I love about the song with um, with Snoop Dogg is kind of the bounce and the flips in production. It like really got me very excited and it got me... Snoop Dogg actually did well for an artist who's 20 odd years into his career. It's great to still hear that he has talent in there. Because, nearly 30 at this point. Yeah, nearly 30 this at this point. But over, you know, 20 to 30 years at this point, it's great to hear that he's still got that kind of cadence and still got that flow and that rhythm and that bounce that he can add to tracks. And even though sometimes there's been projects that haven't been as serious um, in his career, it's great to see that he can still feature quite well in this kind of climate as well. And it was just nice to hear him say, I think he said on the beginning, let's bring the wood um, or something to uh, to de-smoke, like a reference to Inglewood basically in California. And it was just great to hear them bounce off of each other in their different styles of rap. Like Snoop Dogg's very slow in places, very relaxed very cool calm collected but then you've got d smoke who can kind of who can kind of get really lyrical and kind of um the mixture of kind of relaxed but then aggressive at times too so i really like d smoke um he can obviously sing across the project it was nice to hear him collaborate with sir uh it's excellent to hear them working together and kind of not using each other in terms of relying on each other for press or career but it's nice to see when they do collaborate it's just beautiful and it sounds organic it doesn't sound forced because they both operate in similar sonic sounds uh in kind of similar sonic palettes sorry um and ari lennox of course whenever she features on people's projects is amazing incredible a vocalist vocalist um her tone is so rich so divine so velvety um so smooth so yeah their collaboration's great as well so one of the notes i kind of put there is that the, all the collaborations felt organic they didn't feel forced strategic out of place out of pocket d smoke really fits a vintage vibe and all the artists that he features on this project even jill scott as well um all vintage artists or who people who nod towards vintage artists so yeah an amazing project get into it um and he's definitely a reality show winner who actually has the talent to be in the industry and the artistry so that is my suggestion and he has a connection the week as well. and the connections yeah um so i hope I, I love to see his organic rise as well um so yeah that was my suggestion so moses what have you been listening to for the last week <clears throat> um not as much as i'd like to to be honest i've been a it's been like promo week but the most consistent one is i think we were playing in the car the family circle yes um it, and the band's called Family Circle. The album's called Family, The Family Circle. And um, it's kind of like coming off the 
the shoulders of like the Motown era. I think it was recorded in the 70s. I'm not too sure exactly when, but it's got that Motown recording sound, but it's quite interesting because you listen to it and you can kind of tell, well, this band didn't have the same backing or the funding as like a Motown or a Marvin Gaye or, you know, the style, all the bands that we know and love, but yet the quality is still there. And I was just really intrigued about like, how this was funded, how it made sense. Like, it doesn't feel like it was ever, I could be wrong, like it was ever a commercially successful album. There's one track on there called Mariah that the game sampled on um, his documentary album. And it was like the first time I had ever heard it. I was like, oh, this makes sense. But even now it still feels like a rare gem, this record. Mm. I heard it in a mix um, from Floating Points and Giles Peterson on BBC Six. And um that's where I started digging and checked this whole album. And yeah, that's probably, I've been traveling a lot this week and it's like just been in my constant rotation really. Usually I listen to a lot more, but it's been one of those sort of crazy weeks. But yeah, it's really cool. The music is just like, it's got a bit of everything, man. It's a bit funky, it's a bit soulful, it's a bit melancholy, it's a bit upbeat. It's obviously got the the standard heartbreak songs in there, but it's just great music, great production, great recorded sound through it all. So yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so definitely check that out if you can, guys. Yeah, sounds incredible. Yeah, it's good. Take it into the news section. Um, we have roughly three to four things on the agenda. Um, but first of all, JLS are back and they are going on a arena tour of the UK and Ireland um, region. So congrats to them. We just wanted to shout them out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? <laughs> shout out to JLS. Um, <laughs> To be honest, I didn't put this on the agenda. <laughs> but um, it's news, you know, it's news that shot me pointed out in the car. So um, yeah, shout out to JLS and um, shout out to X Factor. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on into the real oh juicy parts of the meat uh, of this kind of news week. There's a lot that happened, a lot of surprises at award shows, which we'll get into later. But first of all, we'll take it to the States. Um, Ari Lennox, uh, she's quitting social media. Um, apparently, according to her open letter on Tumblr. So I'll give a bit of context around that. She uh, has stated that she will be leaving Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and all other social media platforms for good. She, this is in spite, this is in the light, sorry, of her girl King um, and Oprah Winfrey rant, which made the rounds on social media last week, which we kind of briefly discussed. Um, so she, with Gail King's interview, um, obviously post Kobe Bryant's death, uh, she brought up the sexual assault allegation that Bryant kind of faced in 2003 and beat. Um, so many people were questioning King in for poor taste, like Snoop Dogg, who hopped on Instagram uh, for the comments and for bring, bringing that kind of line of questioning up. Uh, and then Ari Lennox kind of went on top of this to kind of go at not just Gail King, but her friend, her close affiliate, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, and she called Oprah Okra. Um, said they're self-hating pieces of shit um, fuck asses um, tearing down the legacies of so many phenomenal beautiful black men uh, and while many kind of people agree that King's comments were ill-timed most people did actually backlash Ari Lennox's video um, and actually called her a hotep there was like comments of hotepisms and that's what kind of led to Ari coming back with the response to the letter. So 
She posted the letter called From My Heart to Yours. I do not know if it's still on Tumblr, but there's inserts on Twitter. You can find it. Um, if you Google Ari Lennox, it will come up, basically. Um, so in the letter, she says she's sorry um, for acting like an ass, for being insensitive, that she loves everyone so much, uh, that she means she meant well and that she means well, um, that she's not structured in terms of when she talks, um, and that is a blessing and a curse in her career. Um She's actually addressed her, which comments which we've made actually on the show before in terms of how Ari relates to her fans. And that is very much interactive. Um, Eden's pointed to YouTube before, Shope said Instagram and YouTube as well. She's been very much active on Instagram stories um, throughout her career. This isn't something new. The, the Ran and Oprah and Gail King isn't kind of out of character for Ari because she addresses a lot of stuff via Instagram Live. Um, and she's quite quirky in terms of how she does it. So the okra references, all that kind of stuff, she would have done stuff like that before um, when she addresses herself, to be honest. Um, so she said she felt the need to protect people um, who she believes are genuinely good people. So I feel like she was referencing Kobe Bryant there. Uh, and she said, if you know me, you know I speak on what's unjust in my mind, um, but it doesn't matter if ultimately my opinion is perceived as toxic, ignorant and harmful. Um... She said that she needs to process her feelings alone and leave social media for a happier and healthier life. Uh, she loves her fans genuinely and excited to leave social media for good, to heal, to find peace. Um, and she thanked all the people who checked into her post, her kind of rant, uh, which blew up and all the criticism and critique that happened. Um, and that was it. That's basically everything from the letter that I think you guys need to know for the context um, and the surrounding context in regards to Gail King and Oprah Winfrey. So what are everyone's thoughts on Ari quitting social media for good, allegedly? Um, and yeah, what are the thoughts on the whole Gail King thing, if you want to get into that? Um, so whilst I disagree with the things that she said, I do appreciate the fact that Ari is able to express herself so freely um, that I know that's very difficult for black women to do publicly because it's usually um, received as aggression. Um, and I, I like the idea of someone saying something that people don't necessarily agree with because some of the issues I have with social media is someone will say something and it will become the general opinion of everyone that's interacting with it. Um, so at least she was able to say she apologized for the people she upset and the feelings that um, she might have triggered a few feelings because of those tweets um, and it might have not been the right thing to attack Oprah for I know there are some things that people can rightly attack Oprah for in the past um, I'm very surprised she went for Oprah though because Oprah's in our community like more so the black American community but we kind of receive from that you don't go for Oprah if, if you want to have a successful career if you want to do well you don't go for Oprah. Mm -hmm. Like Monique, for example, went for Oprah and she had complications. Um, and in general, anyone who's gone for Oprah in the past probably hasn't really benefited from it because she has so many connections. Mm. Um, and so, so much influence. And so much influence. But I, I, I'm kind of impressed that she went directly for Oprah so and I. rather than like sly dissing her and like kind of hinting at who she was talking about, yeah. she went straight for the neck straight away. So like, I appreciate that. But obviously the comments she made it wasn't really that well thought out and it was insensitive to the people who would feel a certain type of way about that or have been affected by um, the actions of those men. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I, I encourage this type of like conversation because it can't be silencing all the time. If an artist feels a certain type of way, they are artists. They are there to express themselves. Um, and I'm a bit iffy about when we get to a point where we control how artists can express themselves. There's a limit to what they can say. Mm. Um, I'm all for free speech, by the way. I'm happy for free speech, but free speech should come with hands. Like if you, if you say something, back it. Like you can't just say things and when people get angry, like, oh, it's free speech. I can say whatever I want. No, you'll get punched in the throat. Like if you if you got an opinion that's negative and it's it's against someone's life, like say you don't agree with um gay marriage, you don't agree with um people who are gay being alive, someone who's gay can rock you and that's fine. That's fine. That's the way it should be, in my opinion. I don't think we should be in a society where things are muted to the point where we can't say certain things. But that's just me personally. So mm. yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, man, I think. She seems, I don't know her, she seems like the type of artist that wears her art on her sleeve in a way. Mm. Like whatever she's going through, she's very vocal about it. Or whatever she thinks about something, she doesn't have to be going through anything. But I don't know, I remember following, what was the award show the other day that she didn't win? Soul Train? The Soul Train Award. Yeah. And I remember that was the last thing I remember. From, there's been a few in, mm. her, in her career of yeah. like, she has a sort of spikes on social media and I, social media is a tough thing man for an artist so it's like I think maybe it is better she's not on it not that I think I'd like to hear her opinion on stuff but mm. equally you kind of have to choose at one point as an artist what am I doing am I making the art or am I a commentator and it can be both if you can manage both yeah. but if you can't like maybe it's better she takes a step back and just deals with that for yeah. whether it's her mental health whatever Definitely. like you know so yeah I think also and I think maybe it's a way to step back and sort of organise how she does want to put her things across because in the same way she put the thing on Tumblr. I love when artists every now and again that don't ever say anything come and write a nice piece. And it's just mm -hmm. like, there's my thoughts. Here's why I back it up. Cool, digest it. Because yeah. I think people should have their opinion and should be able to state it freely. But mm -hmm. also like you said, be able to back it up. But yeah. Yeah. social media is funny like that because it's such an unnatural environment where you would never have that many opinions in your everyday. If you went into a chicken shop and said something, you've got maximum 10 people yeah. to naturally deal with maybe. Yeah. You, you can't, you can never beat a million people. Like yeah. you're never going to tick every box. So it's like, it's tough. Do you know what I mean? That's a really you know, Right or wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. And I think with Ari, um, I definitely think that people, she, the recent spike really with the controversies have been maybe since autumn last year i'm gonna say that's when the wave of real because there's been stuff about her being ugly and then she gave mm. an opinion that there's been the award show and then there's yeah, been yeah. this and there's been a few other things in between but really she's ha she's operated on social media just fine before that yeah. kind of thing um it's been the last couple of months that have really spiked up some real news she's really made news for that kind of that kind of stuff i think with ari there was something i was reading last year actually um about an incident where she was was at a festival and there was an altercation that happened. Um, now, I don't know whether this was with management or another artist, but there was some murmurs on social media about that. And shortly after she had management issues. So I know that she's dealing with a lot behind the scenes and she's actually been vocal in the fact that she's looking for, well, she was looking for a new manager, tweeted it out, um, tweet delete, all that kind of stuff. So I love what Dreamville are doing with her in terms of her music and the trajectory and the investment in visuals, all of that kind of stuff. But I would, I, I feel like on the management side or the team, the wider team side, maybe there's a, there's a, there's something to be done there. And it's not to control her opinions. It's just to have the right 
environment for her to grow and be an artist she can still have her opinion she's had them for seven eight odd years now Mm -hmm. but in terms of um in terms of where she's at in terms of the team i definitely see some pitfalls there and i've seen them from what she said and what from what she hasn't said to be honest so um that's the first point of address for ari for me i think in terms of the comments like eden said there are definitely pitfalls there there are definitely rape victims or possible rape victims involved there who could find could find being uncomfortable watching her views Um, and as well as Snoop I'm not just going to say a black woman it's it's Snoop as well it's the other commentators who've had something to say 50 Cent had chimed in all of that so I think there's a sensitivity that comes to when talking about certain topics and how to address it Um, does Oprah deserve criticism absolutely because Harvey Weinstein and Oprah will get her day it will come but um, I think the way that Ari did come at Oprah was maybe misthought as Eden said misthought out and maybe she could have thought about how to articulate that a bit better but with the social media age we all there's stuff we all say which um comes out sometimes as word vomit essentially I've done it before some other people have done it before and then it comes back and they need it's a quick deep tweet delete or it's a I acknowledge I said this and I'm sorry but I think yeah coming up i was shocked that she came at oprah too i was like damn like i am actually enjoying seeing oprah critique i'm sorry i i am enjoying it because i think oprah is a woman who's got away with a lot um in the industry both behind the scenes and in front of the scenes um well do i still love what she's done for people yeah i saw her give black families a house when i was younger like on her show and stuff but there's stuff that she's done the monique stuff i definitely believe monique and the, the industry stuff um tyler perry admitted it you know so there's there's some truth in that um and she's pictured with harvey weinstein like come on how much more evidence do we have gail king or pictures with harvey weinstein like there's a whole institutional protection and it's not just those two it's other figures as well i wouldn't just point to the black women there's uh, there's a whole industry but i think ari didn't think it out in terms of rape culture um oprah definitely has some critique as well to kind of deal with but i think ari leaving social media for now i don't think she'll leave but she won't leave permanently she won't but um yeah maybe her, her team need to manage the account for a bit um, for her mental sanity, actually, more than anything, because she's faced a lot on social media um, over the months. Um, but to those rape victims, I hope the commentary about this whole situation, because it is a bit, the timing of it's odd. I hope that all of them have the chance to just have mental peace from this, deactivate, do all of this kind of stuff until it fades away, because, yeah, you have to face this, whether you were someone who was telling the truth or someone who just wants to get on with your life. You have to see those headlines and be reminded of what happened or didn't happen or nearly happened if, if that happened. But yeah, Ari, go away for a bit, come back <laughs> um, and you'll be fine. You'll be fine, but just strategy and management, better, but better team behind the scenes as well. But yeah, shopping, some thoughts. So I want to start off by saying... <clears throat> Aurelia Nix is not a hotep. I just want to start off by saying that. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I do agree with everyone that um, she should have the the right to voice her opinions on social media. And it's kind of a reason, a big reason as to why she's kind of gained a lot of fans recently. But those comments in particular, there were some truths in what she was saying, but a lot of it was misdirected and misguided. And she, I don't really think she, she wasn't really thinking about context. But so, yeah, so, so her comments were a bit like, mm, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but 
in general, so two things. I think the reason why we're all going on about how she's been doing this for years, but Ari Lennox didn't have the profile and the fame that she has yeah. now, seven years ago. The last yeah. year she's, you know, quote unquote, blown up. So mm. anything she says or does will be under a much bigger microscope. Mm. Because for all we know, she could have been saying some wild shit. Back in the <laughs> seven day. Seven years ago. Yeah. That, that maybe that may be unearthed in the coming weeks, coming months. But obviously now, she's, she's still rising in terms of, I guess the general populace, like the general public starting to get to know her. So like from a business standpoint, from a label, from a PR standpoint, especially one who is a PR, it's like, you don't have to respond to everything, especially when it's not directly involving you. Like we get that you have a personality. We love that you're funny mm. and sarcastic and we love that you're very blunt and impulsive, but sometimes just, you know, text mm. your friends on WhatsApp, mm. you know, mm. sometimes just, you know, speak to your your mum in, in the house. It's not everything. Like the Soul Train thing, I'm glad she spoke up. I uh, love that. She was fresh woman thing. Yeah, yeah, speak up. But this Oprah and Gail and Kobe Bryant thing, it's like, you didn't, we didn't, we didn't need it mm -hmm. from you. But you know what? The context, do you know what it is? It's such a sensitive topic because Kobe Bryant, like, I feel like a lot of, especially in the States, I think African-American culture is very different to black British culture. And I think over there, if we're feeling it, they're feeling it in a different mm. way. So I think a lot of people will just jump online. I think that's even why, and I'm not excusing it at all. Snoop Dogg had some disgusting comments and I love Snoop. I just spoke about him, but he had some terrible comments, um, especially in regards to Bill Cos like some terrible comments. But I feel like a lot of people feel almost like it's a family discussion almost with Kobe Bryant and related issues. I get what you mean. It's absolutely right. Think. She has to think, but I think a lot of people aren't thinking in the United States right now because it's a big death. It's just like when Nipsey died and everyone was throwing, I was throwing tweets out every single day. It was, a, it was, a, it was nuts. And but I when think- you're a, But when you're a public figure, you have to have- You do. And I think you're right. I know. I think you're absolutely right in terms of think and the wider context, but this is where I, I'm saying about the lack of team that I think is definitely there right now. And there's a gap. I think- Definitely, you're right. She shouldn't have, you think of the context, but I think there's also the context of he's died like literally two, two and a half, two weeks ago. And the emotions are high. That's what I, that's why I think it is. The emotions and the sense aren't exactly aligned right now for some people. Hence why Snoop spoke out. Hence why the toxic masculinity came out and all that kind of stuff online. And hence why Ari on a random afternoon, just felt the need to, oh, Girl King, I'm, I ain't, like, she probably watched this shit, like, how the fuck you gonna disrespect? And that clip, even Girl King made a response video saying that clip even enraged herself. So people are gonna probably respond to that, that quick clip and not watch the whole thing. Like many people do just respond to clips and not watch the full context. And but, um, we do, this is my last one, we do need to continue to hold it over accountable because a number one speak on it. point is that uh, we should definitely be speaking out against, you know, rape culture and toxic masculinity. But Oprah's issue is she has all these friends with what Harvey Weinstein, but she's so quick to attack Michael Jackson and Russell Fam. Simmons. Mm. And by all means, hold them accountable too, because Russell apparently was moving mad. Apparently. I read some of the reports. But why is it the issue that we all have, I guess, as a black community is why... Is it just the black men you're going for? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Ari was trying to say. Yep. But there were other things that kind of got a bit muddled and a bit muddy, mm -hmm. which is why I just said, just shut up. Mm -hmm. just, just stop talking. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, be at home. And also Oprah, when they see us, 
let's see what you did to those boys. You vilified oh, yeah, them on your platform. Too. You used that, that platform to go. So we're never going to forget that, Oprah. Yeah. And the thing is, and the thing is, people think if I met her tomorrow, they, I would, trust me, the critique would come because Oprah is one of the devils. I'm sorry. She is one of the ones in the industry. Just hold, as Trope said, vilifying our black men but not holding that same standard to the Harvey Weinsteins and all that kind of stuff and she's in the position she's literally got so much power in the industry now it's not to the point where oh when I get on I'm then going to use the power no you've got the power you've had the power for and how I'm not many saying years. she shouldn't vilify the black men no 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 it's both just do I'm both saying, both both like if a trash man is being trash that's what it is come for them colour don't yeah. matter use come your media them. platforms to vilify both yeah. that's it but yeah that's me <laughs> So we're moving to the UK now and we're moving to NME Awards, which happened on Wednesday. I want to say Wednesday night. Um, So Slow Tie was in appearance there um, and he actually won Hero of the Year. Um, So yeah, I don't know what qualifies towards that, but um, he won Hero of the Year. Um, And host Catherine Ryan was on stage uh, while he was going to accept the award. So... Yeah, he was accused of making lewd comments towards Ryan um, and actually harassment. Some people went as far as to say it was sexual harassment. But um, during the ceremony, he referred to Ryan as baby girl. Um, and he said, "If basically, if you want to come and get it tonight, you can just hit me up. Very close to her. But what's happening? You got jealous, innit? I didn't get jealous. You I was she got jealous, everybody! Touching her bear, uh, embracing her a lot. Um, Ryan joked back and kind of handled it quite well, according to like loads of onlookers. Um, she made a Love Island joke in regards to him. She said she definitely wants him um, because Slow Tie accused her of wanting him and being thirsty essentially for him. She chimed in and echoed in and said, yep, let's play into that kind of thing, faced into it. Um, and he also threw a bottle at uh, someone in the audience as well. And, um, and tried to fight them. And tried to fight them and jumped down to which security had to back him back towards the stage. Um, yeah, so this happened. Slow Tide then apologised um, in a series of tweets the day after, which was Feb 13th. So Thursday, um, he asked him to forward the awards back to Ryan and said she's here over the year. While it started as a joke between us, um, it escalated to the point of shameful actions on my part. Uh, I want to apologize. There is no excuse and I'm sorry. I am not a hero. You are, Catherine, you're a master at your craft. And next time I'll take my seat and leave the comedy to you, to any woman or man who saw a reflection of situations um, they've been in. 
in these videos, I'm sorry, and I promise to do better. Let's talk here. So he's inviting people to kind of talk to him. Catherine Ryan responded, because I just want to really add in the context here. She said, I knew you were joking and congratulations on your very award worthy album. Um, I hope you know that a bad day on social media passes so quickly. Everything will be better tomorrow. XXX. Um, yeah. And she, she kind of said that he didn't make her feel uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, she diffused the situation. So she said that tweet right after the awards about not feeling uncomfortable. So she said it hours later and then Slow Tie responded and apologized. And then the tweet that I just read out from her saying that she forgives him and didn't think it was, she thought it was a joke was what happened after just in the timeline of events. So yes, what are you guys' thoughts on what has happened on the enemy, at the enemy awards and Slow Tie and the apology and Catherine Ryan and et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts? I mean, I just thought, it, I mean, it did look uncomfortable, if I'm honest. <clears throat> I saw more like the Instagram Snapchat videos from yeah. like crowd videos. I yeah. don't know if they've ever actually released official videos. I don't know. Yeah, they're not televised. They yeah. haven't released an official clip, but I yeah. did see Everything a longer clip. Everything we saw clip. was someone's Somebody's Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was that, yeah. I'm not going to actually, I'm not going to, yeah. Yeah, I was more surprised when she was like, it didn't make me feel uncomfortable because I felt uncomfortable watching it. But, you know, who am I to tell someone how to feel? But... Mm. Yeah, I, there's not really much for me to say. I thought it was bad. At least he apologized, but I don't know what mm. does, is. How much does I don't know? It's it was it was very, you know, just nasty to watch. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like it was. Mm. I felt uncomfortable watching it, and even though she was like, I handled it well, which I think she did. She I really did. She yeah. did do, and like, was who was I um, comparing? Was it uh, there was someone else with her. Julie? Julie? Was it Julie? Yeah, it was Julie. Even Julie, <laughs> Julie was cracking me up in it. She's like, what's the protocol for this? Mm. Did, you, did you hear it in the background? Mm. And the clip, she's yeah. like, yeah. what should we be doing? Muramasa, come get your friend. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. Like, you know. I think she even said harassment. What is the protocol for that? You know what I mean? Like, if that happens on state, yeah. It was, I don't know. It wasn't a good moment, man. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I did see, do you know what? Because I was one of the ones that actually made a comment on it the, the night it happened. And then the day after I saw a longer clip, which does support the claims that it was a joke a bit oh, okay. more. There's a bit more to it. But slow, the fact that Slotai apologized for something and said he took it too far means that there was something that happened that went too far in, mm. his, in his opinion. So, And it's perception though. Because and it's perception. As so. much as Catherine can say that she wasn't offended. Yeah. But like Moses said, he felt uncomfortable watching it. Yeah. I felt a bit like, oh. But did you see the fuller clip? Yes. Even the two lock, yeah. the two, where it's the whole yeah. joke. Yeah, I yeah, still yeah. felt like, if it was a joke, I felt like he was still taking it a bit, a bit too, too yeah. far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he yeah, was yeah. quite physical. It, yeah, that's the bit. That was the bit that I was a bit like, okay, I get the, the verbatim. I get it. Because she was being dramatic. He was being dramatic. I get it. But then the and you can intimacy see, she was, was a trying bit, to like, you know, she, there was a bit where she was trying to, yeah, yeah, she was a bit like, oh, a bit hesitant. Yeah. How was, far is this going to go? She was trying right. to like, you know, move on yeah. to the next thing. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? Did you ever see that clip of NBA Youngboy and like, what, which clip? It was like he was being interviewed by, like, I can't remember. So it was like MTV or something. It wasn't. But like, while the girls chatted to him, he's like. Was he like flirt kind of looking Like proper much. looking yeah, at yeah, like, yeah, but it was yeah, just yeah. like visually, it was yeah. really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what you reminded yeah. me of. Very different circumstances, but yeah. like, yeah. Mm. And even she came out afterwards, like, I was scared, man. Like, do you know no. what I mean? And I was just like. Boy. And these women, and I'll stand by what I say, like these women, uh, part of this week, I said the women in entertainment deserve to be able to go to their job without the fear or possible fear mm. of 
their their life or like what's going to happen or situations going bad and this kind of goes back to episodes that we've spoken about this before women in music women in studios women in this women in that even so it's just, like, just the inconvenience of it all it's just yeah. like, like i'm going to get paid, paid it's just like and it's like i don't need this right yeah. Now. yeah even yeah. even going to go into a gig getting paid and then being in national press like why does this have to i'm just trying to get a check like yeah, i'm just yeah, trying to yeah. do this be funny and then that's it go home i do think that the bottle incident because that mm. was definitely not a part of the mm. joke so we can talk about that i think <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah, um yeah, yeah, yeah. my guy was way so there's yeah. been there's been a string of incidences with slow tie in terms of his public performances and shoppe's mentioned some to me on at festivals and other people have mentioned other things to me in terms of what he's done at festivals and you know getting naked on stage doing all of this and doing all of that and do you know what like the biggest of our rock stars have the most mental life sets like generally the most mentalist life sets as well but i think that i think this is a lesson and i think he can take this this can be a great learning moment for him in his career because it's very early on you can really just reform and just refine it a bit still be reckless still be crazy on stage still have fun you know but mm. just be fun within yourself and you and what you're doing we don't need to you know, throw bottles of piss at fans. We don't need to mm. do all of that, throw bottles into the crowd. You know, what if it, was it a glass bottle? I don't even know. Because if it was someone, that that could have been a very different financial and legal situation <laughs> if, it, if it connected. I'ma just say that. So slow tie, I think it's great that he apologized the day after. And to be honest, I'm not even applauding the, the fact that he apologized, but it's just good that he at least did it. Because some... People, yeah. artists are ignorant and won't even address issues that happened hours before. So I guess actions, actions speak louder than words and we'll see mm. what happens from here. Glad that it didn't turn ugly with Catherine Ryan. And yeah, I just hope he learns from this. That's it. Me? Um, I, okay, so I'm not suggesting that Slow Tie would have done this like in the future or like, it would have happened at another event, but I'm just not surprised, really, if I'm being completely honest. I've watched like, um, Slow Tie concerts. Um, like Nick said, some of his live sets are a bit wild. Um, <laughs> so I feel like it's obviously it's a horrible thing. He's apologized for it. He seems like he, he's sad about it and stuff, but I'm not really surprised. It's one of those, it's one of those musicians where you expect something crazy to happen whenever he's in the news. Um, unfortunately it was at the, um, the behest of, um, Catherine, Catherine, Catherine Ryan, Catherine Ryan. Um, so I, that's why I'm, he's one of those people that in a few years, we're just going to look at him and be like, that was a really crazy guy. Like there's something going on, like what is going on with slow tide. Mm. Um, unfortunately though, because of the way that the music industry works and patriarchy works and all those types of things, I do actually think it will aid his career. I think he will become more popular in the pop sphere like people know who um, slow tie is they know mm. he's this crazy guy they'll listen to the album and hear like um the right aesthetic he has to his music and how um they'll probably go back and watch a few videos where he made some commentary about boris johnson and held mm -hmm. up his head yeah. and stuff like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. it all fits the brand unfortunately this wasn't mm. outside of the brand that he presents i don't know it's on it is on because the boris thing I'm not even just talking about that. There was another um, incident where he went to a festival and he spat in this girl's mouth in the Weeks front ago. of the cop. Yeah. Oh, yes, I do remember. Weeks in ago. the front of the line. So this is, I'm saying it's on brand because he's known for doing crazy things like that. Um, mm. But it just seems like this was a step too far. So 
Um, I do think I do think it will help project his career. I think he'll become a much bigger artist, and people will kind of expect him to do crazy things. Um, it creates an excitement and a, a kind yeah. of like this is this is we don't know how to touch it. We don't know what to do. Like yeah. and whenever he does an interview, it's going to be like sensationalized and all yeah. this kind mm. of stuff. It creates this. Oh, can we even touch him? Can we yeah. even address it in the He's next? He's going to be propelled into infamacy and yep. yeah. being yeah. notorious. Yeah, like the Noel Gallagher's. Or yes. Yeah. yes, literally yeah. that. Yeah. But like his PR that. will do one-off interviews. Or there, what's one that dickhead thing. called? Morrissey. Oh my gosh. Oh, hopefully not as bad as him because Morrissey is actually like a a racist, xenophobic, narcissist, asshole. Wow. But hopefully, but. I think you yeah, 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 trying yeah, to say. Let's go back to the 50s. Twitter will love this, basically. Like, they <laughs> love this. They're like, yeah, like, back to Eads. Um, no, but I just honestly think this is going to help his brand in the future. But unfortunately, usually when there are characters like this, they have to upkeep it for such a long time. And it usually ends really badly, like rehab or they'll get some form of an addiction or they'll have a a chain of bad relationships or something like that, trying to upkeep this appearance of being rowdy, of like rioting and stuff like that. And I genuinely think that is his personality, by the way. I don't think he's putting it on. I think he is just genuinely quite a... a um, Hyperactive? I would say hyperactive. Uh, Irresponsible? Reckless? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. What adjectives are we using? Yeah. All of those. I can't I remember. He had a girlfriend. He has a girlfriend. So, Ooh. wow. Oh, wow. Oh, that's wild. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully she's okay. She said that she had no issue with it, but she might be saying that because her career in particular, I'm quite intrigued about what her, I, I don't know if I necessarily believe what she's saying um, when it comes to her saying she didn't have an issue with it because I've seen her on shows before mm. and her kind of shtick is she is quite, sexual in some of the things that she says yeah so i'm just wondering if she says that so that she can continue to have guests on and stuff like that it's it's kind of a tricky um it's it's kind of tricky to navigate hopefully she's being honest when she says that she wasn't uncomfortable Mm. and she um she it was a joke that they had planned beforehand but my gut is telling me that she might be saying that to protect him for starters but also to protect the kind of um, character and career she has as a comedian. Yeah. Mm, um, mm-hmm. But I don't mm. know. I don't know. I don't know her personally. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she, the one thing she was saying, I'm like a, she was like, yeah, I'm a comic and I was operating at, what, what did you say? I was operating at a level two that day or something. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought was interesting. I'm yeah. like, mm. yeah. She was like, she was like, she was saying essentially like no one can ever come on stage yeah. and try and challenge a comedian. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, you're on crud basically. But it didn't feel like that to me. It, just, Same, it didn't feel like it was, she was even dealing with it like it's that weird. funny. It's you know weird. what I mean? It was just like. Because well, I have seen comedians where they have a guest on stage and they try and like, you know, roast the comedian and mm. yeah, see yeah, like yeah, how yeah, they yeah, can yeah, like yeah. Um, manage the situation. Mm. Yeah. That didn't feel like one of those times. It yes. wasn't managed. It, no. it didn't feel like it was being managed. It didn't feel like she was, I don't feel like she was in control. Yeah, 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 that's, feel, yeah that's exactly that's what it looked yeah, like. It looked yeah, like yeah. a loss of control of yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's why Julie was speaking. I think if Julie could tell that, oh, Catherine's got this. Yeah. But Julie yeah, was yeah. like, what's the protocol? Come get your boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Julie was, I was a bit like. A bit performative. Ju- yeah, yeah, Julie, yeah, Julie's, yeah, I was yeah, a bit like, yeah, yeah. She, she, she's kind of half foot in, half foot out. Kind of like, oh, I don't want to get in there, but I do and all that kind of stuff. But I definitely think that 
Catherine, we'll see what happens. And I, I do agree with Eden's point there. She may have been protecting him and, because this could have been a very ugly spill in tabloid yeah, news yeah, yeah. if mm. she took it the other way mm. and it could have gone into next week. You yes. know, Good Morning Britain would have yes. had one of them on and it all this kind of stuff. It could have been a huge, yeah, you know, top story. Well, it still was, but like a even top story for longer. But she's nipping it in the bud. Yeah, she's like, let's just save our careers and let's just forget yeah, this yeah, ever yeah, happened yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I hope the women who saw that because a lot of women's comments I saw were triggered by the clip. I did see a lot of women comment that. So I hope that they're able to, you know, move on from that as well. And if you have to delete the album, delete the album. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, anyway, shopping. So yes, we are now going to get into our in-depth chat with Moses Boyd. So I'm not sure if I actually said this in the beginning, but um, he's a jazz musician. So I know that he's a drummer, percussionist and DJ, but he's a jazz musician and he has been credited as being one of the pioneers of this new London Renaissance we're having at the moment. Um, my, gal, my guy, Giles Peterson, one of my favorite white men, he, um, <laughs> he called Moses the next Art Blakely, which is a massive, massive, massive compliment. Um, Art Blakely's the guy. So yeah, we're going to, start our interview so what's it like for someone to gas you like that for you to just sit there and people are just throwing all of your accolades <laughs> and just like it's strange man yeah I don't, you don't really ever get used to it like because mm. i don't know just imagine for something that's so i wouldn't say natural because it's work but for something that you just do for you yeah and then other people are like oh this is yeah let's come and take this and put it here i'm like but yeah. I'd be doing it anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, you know, if you, for all your respective writings of what you guys do as well, it's the mm. same thing. It's like, mm. if, yeah, it's bizarre. You know, That wasn't an interview question, by the way. I was just literally yeah. watching, I was no, watching I you thought, whilst, yeah. I was watching you while Shopper was talking, you were just there, yeah. like, stoic. I was like, if it was me, I'd be like, yeah, obviously. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, again, all these credits and stuff. Um, can I just say before Shopper starts, I'm really sorry, Dominique and, and Jamaican. Yo, yo, I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> like, come on. If you guys didn't know I'm Dominique and Jamaican, Nick speaking, Done, of no. course. Yeah. We best, have to rep. combo. We have to rep. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on about this for hours. Exactly. You know, exactly. Jamaican massive, and no, I'm joking. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh, so, Shopping, we're going to get into like the real good shit later, but... <laughs> Yesterday, Moses did release his latest album ooh, ooh. called Dark Matters. Buy that. Buy, that. <laughs> Buy it. PR stream in it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. that's the PR in me. I understand. I get it. <laughs> you know. So my first question before I get into my real shit, because Moses knows, he knows what I'm like. He knows that I've got the questions yeah, yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see notes. Okay, yeah. I see notes. But let's get the promotion out the way. So what was the inspiration behind the title? And in what ways does this album differ from your other previous projects? And I just want to say that Yo-Yo and Too Far Gone are early favorites. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Um, so I've always been interested in just space, full stop. Um, I've just, I've just always found it fascinating. Like this thing we are in and also can describe this, 
macro element could describe so much of our micro elements, you know what I mean? So like the, the phrase dark matter is like a spe uh, astronomy term. It's to describe, it's basically this energy, this matter that we know exists because it, we can see the effect it has on other things, but we can't see it itself. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, while I, I didn't really realize this while I was making the album, but it was only when I, it was finished and I sort of looked back and I was like, why does this sound the way it doesn't sort of ask my questions? And I was like, I guess I was really sensitive in the sense of responding to what was going on around me. Not that I was trying to be overtly political or anything. It was just like, I turned on a knee. I started making this in like 2017. So, you know, we had Brexit, we had Windrush scandal, we had Grenfell, we had the Muslim ban. We had like the amount of things that were going on. For me, it was just like, I think that did have an effect on just my psyche and just how I was making music. So I knew I was chasing a sound and an emotion when I made this album that could kind of summarize that feeling of like, I don't know how to explain what's out there, but it's having an effect on all of us in the same way dark matter. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I chose the title. And um, it's not over, it's not meant to be like a negative thing because I feel I don't like to put stuff out there that there's no solution. So my thing is like, well, we're all united by this. So where do we go from here? Which is why the album ends what now? Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, it shouldn't be, I don't know. I just don't like people that throw things. It's like, this is bad. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, what are we going to do about it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know it's bad. Water is wet. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, where do we go from here? So it was my sort of kind of just realizations and actualizations. And I'm putting that on just like a, a sonic space, really, which is different to anything I've ever done, really. Before I'd come from more, not to say a traditional approach, I might sit at a piano and like write a song and then write a chart and then hand it to musicians and we record that over like a day or two and then mm -hmm. bit of mixing, bit of source on top, which is a very different process to this. This I was walking around with like my laptop, my hard drive, different countries, different studios, people's living rooms, like random spaces and just recording things, sounds and less concerned with like, uh, less with concern, less concerned with, um, the way in which things were recorded and just more concerned with how they sound and how they made you feel really. Um, I wanted to ask on this album as well, as we're still on it, what other sounds outside of jazz would you say caught your eye mm. here and why? And was it something you always wanted to kind of do experiment more? Uh, I think, f I guess in this period of when I was making Dark Matter, uh, I was just really into uh, emotive music, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and a lot of ambient music too. Music that didn't necessarily go anywhere yeah. or have a particular, I don't want to say it didn't have a uh, a point because I don't know, I can't speak for other artists, but I feel like a lot of Björk's records are great where you can just listen to them and mm. you're in like a sound she's created for that record. Or there was this guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you listen to Vespertine or Post and it's like... All of hallucinogen. Yeah, it's like you're in the world of her for that moment. And I'm like, well, how does she do that? You know, she's a genius. I don't know how. And that's what I was kind of chasing. And I think a lot of ambient records have that. I was listening to a guy called um, Amulet. He's from like, I just found him on Instagram. He's from Austin, Texas. And he does like a lot of tape loops. And yeah. it's really just like soundscapey. Like you'd expect to see it in a film, but... Something about it is very raw and just like, it's, 
I don't know, if I played it to my mum, she might be like, actually, no, my mum's quite hip. If I played it to like, my grandma, so she'd be like, that's noise. But when you really sit down and listen to it, it's like the sounds are fascinating. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, if you just start to ask the question, how does he make that sound? Then you start to get in this incredible like, oh, it's not as simple as you might think. It sounds a bit like static, but then when you really, you know, get into it. And I was really just interested in that stuff. I had done all the other things of like, hey, you write this song, you get someone to uh, improvise like a saxophone player. And there's a beautiful mastery in that. But I was just more concerned with like, um, yeah, listening to those kind of music, a lot of grunge. Do you know what I mean? I was listening to, you know, your Nirvanas, your Jeff Buckleys and your, nice. um, what was this band I found on Spotify? I'll find the name for them. Uh, it's really cool. Hex. Do you know what I mean? Like stuff that kind of may, may be not been popular, but mm. all have that quality. It's like the way I keep describing it is like, you know, that phrase, you don't know where you're going, but you'll know when you get there. Yeah, I had that was it for the album. I didn't know how I was going to make these sounds or when I'd arrive at them. But when I did, I knew it. Like it was very stark, like from anything else. I was like, that's it. So you that, just felt that that was the natural ending. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was just listening to a lot of like really emotive music. Like not that it was like an emotional period, but it was just more. Mm. I just found it really fascinating that I could play on one synthesizer, give you one note and it feels so different to like if I play a piano on that. I'm like, yeah. well, why is that? Do you know what I mean? And kind of tried to create a world within that, that although all the tracks on Dark Matter are different, to yeah. me, they kind of have a, they all have a mood that, mm. I don't know, maybe you could disagree, but they all have a mood that fits together yeah. in a weird and way. kind of like, prog rock in yeah, yeah, yeah. areas yeah yeah I don't yeah know if maybe i'm interpreting that wrong no no i think it's in there like too, i know yeah. like across all your projects like you definitely do have like the generally traditional stuff mm. but over your six seven years there's been grime elect definitely a lot mm. of electronic now i think about it so yeah, i yeah. get why you say ambient but um yeah like prog rock like anthemic <laughs> kind of ish yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah cool Eden. Um, I want to come from a slightly different angle. So we've spoken about the album. We've spoken about. <laughs> we've the done content. the promo. No, no, we're, we're still, still, we're still <laughs> staying. We're still staying on the album, but it's not necessarily the music. It's more so to do with something you said in the past and relating it to this album. So I was reading. I think it was Dummy Mag. I might be incorrect, but you spoke about how you used to discover jazz artists, and you said you used to walk around and just look at the covers, and if you saw it, you would pick it up. Mm. For for the whole like creation of your sound and like um the whole process of creating music, talk to us about the the selection of the album art because mm -hmm. I believe for the front cover for this one it's I want to say the the torch the yeah yeah, yeah. yeah torch the, Union Jack it's yeah, the Union yeah, Jack yeah, yeah. torch talk to us about that yeah yeah so what was funny with this album was I think everything else I've put out I've been really like even before the album's done I've kind of known visually how I wanted it to look right. But this was the first thing I've done where like, I don't know, something about creating this album was so like, once it was finished, I was just like, <sighs> it's mm. out of me. Do you know what I mean? And like, when they were like, okay, well, what are we gonna do for the cover? I was like, you know what? I don't have anything in me left. Like, and then people, would, so my manager would ask me questions like, well, what was the album about? And this is where it goes back to what was influencing. I had to sit back and really think on it. So Dark Matter and after what I've explained what that was about, he started presenting me loads of ideas and he was like, okay, well, you're kind of questioning a lot of British identity and how do we mobilize from here? So for me, like the album, 
I guess from my point of view was the idea of like, oh, there's a lot of dark situations and circumstances going on in our communities. And, yeah. you know, I don't know about you guys, but the, the Union Jack is an interesting one because as much as it is us, it's not us. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I wanted to do the black and white thing, which mm -hmm. a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a somewhat a way to kind of adhere to it and be like, well, I am British, but also I'm not. You know what I mean? It was all of that tied in one. But yeah. then also the idea of that is up in flames because... You know, if you, I was just reading this story this morning about this kid that's stuck in Belgium. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, it was from yeah. two years ago. You know ago. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, and like he's here now, but it's from is two he years here now? Ago. It was from two years ago. Okay, yeah, I was yeah. seeing. Okay, yeah. but you know what I mean? And as you said at the beginning of the podcast, like questioning this identity and like, yo, is is it's kind to me? It was kind of like up in flames, but again, I didn't want it to be defeatist because it's like, as much as it's up in flames, it can be seen as like a mobilization tool. Mm. So that's why it is a torch, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it wasn't something I conceived. It was like uh, a shout out to my manager, who's also very creative. It was him, he presented it to me and I was like, that's it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like okay. I didn't really have a strong visual. I knew like I wanted it to kind of be dark and black and white and yeah. luminous, but didn't really know beyond that, which is quite strange for me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So those yeah. sentiments are quite interesting because it reminds me of the alternative American flag, like that some African-American communities. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've never seen because that. they have, so basically, yeah. so I forgot which particular, it's a subset of African-Americans and they use it. It's kind of like a, it's a reflection of, um, it's actually on Seren's Instagram. So Seren from the Great Financial, yeah whatever but um basically she so yeah they use it to kind of as a form of that's their america because the, there's the theory of the two americas so the mm. americas that's the white america and the americas that's the black americas and i think a lot of the sentiments you said yeah. about black britishness i'll show you after shohei um kind of reflects that kind of sentiment yeah. too yeah, in yeah. terms of that this country we kind of were born here but then there's this dirty history with yeah, the country yeah, yeah. or like this nuanced history should we mm -hmm. say yeah, with, yeah. with the country but yes sorry um i find it quite interesting though um because i've seen the kind of inverted grayscale version of the union jack in quite a few variations of art if we look at stormzy's vest during um mm. his performance for yeah. example uh, at glastonbury, glastonbury. Yeah. Um, or if we look at the book British, mm. Um, mm. I can't remember who the author Actual is. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. We got that as well. So it's quite interesting that we are seeing the flag and we're, kind of, we're trying to create our own identity through that as well. Um, just an offset from that question. It's not really going to take that much time, hopefully. But um, if you saw your cover art in store, what section do you think it would be in? That's a good question. It man. is. Come through either of the existentials. <laughs> Um, for this particular album. For this one, yeah. That's a really good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, it's not really any, is it? It's like, well, it could be put in the jazz section, but for me, arguably, it's not as jazz as some of the other stuff I've done. Mm. So maybe it should be put in more like the experimental, I don't know, wherever you would put... Something like Death Grips. Yeah. <laughs> I think it should be close to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just me. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm okay with wherever anyone puts it. You know what I mean? I don't really mind. But it's, that is a good one. Because it's it borders so many worlds. It's mm. a bit like, I've always had that thing with like jazz. And it's like, I've, I remember when I really got into it young, I never really understood why people weren't into it. Because I can understand now, because there's a whole social context to it while we're mm. kind of away from it. Um, I say we, I'm talking about our community. But um, for me, I was always like, but hang on, if you can like Nirvana, 
like and all of these grunge bands like why can you not listen to Ornette mm. Coleman like to me they weren't that far apart so now like coming full circle I'm like well I was just listening to Tame Impala's record on the way to mm. meeting you guys I'm like well if you can listen to that and vibe to that this is nothing you know what I mean like this isn't that far away from it you know what I mean it's just that it's dressed up a different way yeah. and people's perceptions of it and I think that does come back to where people put it and where they uh, you know where they see it in genres or charts or concerts or stuff but to me I'm like yo man wherever can can I say from my experience why I haven't really this actually leads into my next question oh so go on go on perfect okay do you mind if I say it <laughs> actually uh, go say a question say a question so you both have actually just led into my next question okay look look at the lord <laughs> so <laughs> I love how excited yeah. again. so I said um so I wrote even arguably before 2016 jazz music was still perceived at large as a genre that's kind of like archaic outdated or extremely highbrow mm. to only be enjoyed and performed mm. by like upper class white people because even if before you look at the jazz charts it'll be a bunch of white people a bunch yeah. of white artists yeah so i wanted to ask you so or dead black ones yes exactly you <laughs> yeah, know no in between <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so why do you think attitudes towards contemporary jazz have changed over the last few years but especially amongst us, especially mm. most black British people, why have that? What's the change been? What has caused those changes? I think probably the biggest thing has been like representation, really. The fact that like you can see yourself in it. So if you look at a uh, Shabaka Hutchins and the Sons of Kemi, if you look at Ndabaya Garcia, if you looked at like Yusuf Kamal, and these are people that mm. represent people you encounter knowing your everyday, which when I got into it wasn't the case even look into America, like obviously there's the heroes and your miles and, but that, that life and that, that era is gone. You know what I mean? I don't live in nostalgia. Miles mm. Davis is long dead. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, so for me to kind of idolize and see representation in Miles Davis is a bit like strange. You get me? Mm. Um, which is why it was great when Robert Glasper came through with black radio. Cause it was yep. like, I get that. I'm into Terrace, Martin. I'm in, Terrace Martin. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, different factors that are at play. We've got social media, we've got uh, easy access to music, Spotify, SoundCloud, all of these things that didn't exist when I got into jazz, you know? So the person sitting in Catford like me that does like Wiley and does like Duke Ellington. And now what was really important in the UK and particularly London was there was a, at least on my part, and I know from just talking to my friends involved, yeah. there was a big, conscious effort to move it out of those spaces the concert halls the the ronnie scotts i love ronnie scotts but you know the Same. the divorce the like them clubs that have their thing and they do it and whatever but we were more concerned with kind of reconnecting it back to us sound system culture dancing you know club culture, club culture which is why a total refreshment center was so good a touching base is so good uh um, jazz refresh these yeah. there was a big um, movement years ago to kind of, I know I was conscious of it because it, what I said earlier of like, well, if you like Nirvana, how can you dismiss an Ornette or something like that? You know what I mean? Mm. I was like, well, hang on. If you can dance to this, it, if I'm playing this music in a club and people are sitting down and they're into it, much less if I get it in the right space through the right PA to the right people, I know they're into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think there was a big shift in that in London, which had a massive effect globally. Do you know what I mean? And Chicago, there's other spots, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, there are many factors that I think maybe the overarching one is just representation. There are now more of us. And I think that's 
a thing. I was reading this essay. Have you got that book, Black Fire? I've got a. No. I'll tell you after. It's about. It's an anthology from like the sixties, and it was Ooh. edited by Amiri Baraka. Oh man, okay. wicked, wicked All book. Right. And the first essay is talking about. I forget who it's by, but it's basically talking about how like you can agree or disagree, but our culture as black people isn't to hold on to things and put it in white rooms for preservation. It's like we are naturally creatures that change and develop. So like in by putting stuff on walls, it's like anti us. And I was like, that's a really interesting interesting, thought. That's interesting. And I think like that, that plays into the thing of us making art for other people to consume and Mm. control. Right. Yeah. And I think as a culture, we've been very, so we'll make something and then we'll let it go and move to the next thing, which is good. Do you know what I mean? But also we don't control it. So that's why Mm. you do get, you know, that's why you do get music in these concert halls and it's either highbrow, lowbrow. There's no in between that's actually functioning the people it's created from. You know what I mean? And I think there was a sweet spot where it got connected again, Mm. you know, and that's why we're seeing this thing. Jazz music before you guys. So it's funny mentioning the Americans because like, so the same way it's you and Ezra Collective, Sons of Kemet, mm. Garcia. In the States, you have, you know, Robert Glasper, who to me mm. was my introduction to contemporary yeah, yeah, jazz yeah. music. Like 2010, like yeah, yeah, came yeah. Out. Yeah. I fell in love with that project. But what was the point I was going to make? Yeah, so I felt like before that, before you guys came along and your American contemporaries, jazz music was in danger of being colonized like blues music. <laughs> yeah. If you look at blues now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all, you know. So my point essentially was going to be, so I struggled with jazz for a long time. My grandfather played jazz. Um, He was quite well known in Barbados. um, And growing up, I was always taught about jazz and stuff like that. But I've always had an issue with enjoying it. And I think that's all, that's partly because of like, I've always used voice as direction when it Mm. comes to music. I've always um, sat there and listened to an artist and kind of, try to understand the message they're giving off because I've understood their language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the one thing that actually, the one thing I want to kind of get across from, from you and understand from your perspective is what does jazz sound like to you? Because for me, like for, for my understanding and how I had to understand it, mm. it came from, and it's going to sound really weird. It was like wine tasting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I understood, I understood jazz from like, you know, with wine, you have to pour the glass of wine. You have to swirl it around the glass, let it breathe, smell it, and mm. then actually take in the wine afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jazz, I, I, one time I actually sat down, I was like, all right, Eden, you're going to get this. You're going to understand what's Who going on. Who was it? Well, I, I think it was the Miles Davis song you suggested, actually. The 10-minute one. I can't remember which one it was. That could be any. But... <laughs> no, but you said one of them was your favorite, and it was about, it was quite long. I can't I remember I think that might have been the Gutter Walk. Yeah, that one. Okay. Um, but I want to understand, how do you listen to jazz what do you hear what are you looking for what's a good what constitutes a good jazz song to you um that's a good question i think it's tough for me because i'm so in it so when i listen to it i'm even more hyper aware which i think anyone can get to so um for me it sound anyone okay there's something that connects and it's really hard to put into words. There's something that connects a John Coltrane to a Thelonious Monk, to a Miles Davis, to a Marcus Miller, to a, um, I'm trying to think now, to a Dennis Chambers, who's a drummer, to a Robert Glasper, to a Terrace Martin. And I can't explain it in words, but for me, it's, there's a process and 
that process shows bears fruits in a way. Do you get me? Um, if you were to take like a tune, the Incy Wincy Spider, yeah? Um, one of the key ingredients of being able to play jazz is be able to take that and extrapolate it and bend, stretch, twist it whilst still being in the confines of the song. Not all jazz, but I'm just keeping it simple for now. So like, you know, the way I explain it is like, you've got a clock that goes round, right? So in jazz, we have form. Generally, a lot of the jazz that has become classic is based on like 32 bar form. It doesn't have to be, but it was, there's a reason. We can get into it later. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? The melody just keeps going round, even though if you're not hearing it, right? So like a good, for me, jazz musician is someone that could take, say, for example, the Incy Wincy Spider that can play it to you and present it to you on a plate. Like, you know this. Mm. This is the Incy Wincy Spider. Everyone knows this melody. And by the end of the song, you've seen how they've turned it backwards on top of its heads, flipped it, moved it up a key, done something with the drummer that's communicating something. You know what I mean? And it's all of those elements. And it does, okay, that's on a simple level. It doesn't even have to be Incy Wincy Spider. It could be a one note thing. It could be within somebody's eight bar section on a pop song. Do you know what I mean? There's like a, there's an energy and a spirit attached to like the improvisation, the creative the creative force in real time. Do you know what I mean? That might sound a bit like no, out no, there, but for me, that's what it sounds like. So when you hear, a, um, I don't know, like what's that tune? Holding You, Loving You by Don Blackman. Do you know? No. Okay. Or uh, trying to think of good like pop songs that have like a jazz musician just doing their thing. Uh, George it. Michael Kellis Whisper. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Kind of. Do you know what I mean? But it's... It's that, it's somebody that's inventive in real time mm. and like is connected or, and the other part of it is they're also connected to the fundamentals of groove. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. you can be inventive in real time, but to me, if it doesn't marry up with like the funk and being able to move you biologically, it's yeah. something else. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. And that's what I've told you too. Like, yeah. I told you like, when I told you... Like Miles Jefferson's 27 minute songs, like how can you listen to that? Like, because it starts off in one mm. way yeah. and by the end of it, it's a whole other thing. But there's like a there's a root being yeah. kept the entire mm. entire journey of the song, but it's going up and down, flip sides, all over the place. And the fella's another one. Mm. Yeah, There's yeah. another one like that. Yeah. So that's and Herbie Hancock to me is the king mm. of doing that. He's mm. my favorite of yeah, my yeah, jazz. Yeah. He's like my number one. Shout out to Headhunters, great yeah. album. But yeah. And I think like in the same way with jazz, they have this thing called standards, right? And standards were like show tunes from Broadway that were quite dry mm. that black musicians took and made it their own. <coughs> and I think if you were of that era, you might know my favorite things. And that's mm. why it's so revel revelatory to you. Cause you're like, I know my favorite things. When I hear Coltrane do it, it doesn't sound mm. like, so that's why I think if there was more of, I don't know, my friend Ashley Henry's got a cover of Cranes in the Sky. Do you know what I mean? If there were melodies that people knew, I'm not saying it has to be like this. I think more people would understand the mechanics and the magic. I don't think you have to, but my mum used to kind of say to this to me, oh, I don't really understand it. And I'm like, but you don't understand Debussy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm a musician. I can explain what's going on yeah, there, but yeah. you enjoy that. Why do you feel there's a, a reason you have to understand it? And I think that goes back to your question of like, it's either hoity-toity or mm. do you know what I mean? There's been this whole control of how it's perceived. Yeah. Mm. Whereas if it was from the actual community and there were songs that 
I don't know if it was Amazing Grace or this or that or Sweet Mother that there was a jazz you'd understand. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like if there was tunes that were connected to your culture and your background, um, I think more people would understand it. But it's not a thing to say you have to understand it. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah I hope that answered. No, I did. Yeah, that, was yeah. Really, yeah. that was a really clear cut answer, by the way. Um, so you did an interview with South by Southwest in 2017 um, about the UK jazz invasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually read it when I was doing a research for a piece I wrote earlier this year. Cool. Um, but I just wanted to ask you was in particular... Um, it came out this year, so there was edits this year as well. Okay. So, um, yeah, basically, I wanted to ask you about the antiquated kind of views with jazz and um, the explosion that you just mentioned about London and Chicago's and mm-hmm. DC, etc. Um, how do how do you feel like it's being perceived now? Like, so three years later, um, before you kind of said that your your version of music wouldn't even be called jazz by some conventionalists mm. and all of that. And there mm. was that whole debate. Louis and I spoke about it. You know, Oscar spoke about it to me as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Ezra Collective have spoken about it. Jazz Refresh have spoken about it. It's a big debate in your, in your community. Mm. But um, what do you think about it? Because you just spoke about it's either the top or the bottom. Mm. Um, and this invasion's kind of in the middle now and it's really bubbling up. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. firmly establishing itself, to be honest. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, do you feel like it's still seen as a dirty word in like jazz, like the experimentation almost, and some people don't mm-hmm. even view it as jazz or this, you know, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. posher people, or, you know, yeah, certain yeah, yeah. audiences would still maybe not would fry, like turn away to your kind of music? I think that's definitely, uh, it still exists. And arguably maybe it's valid. Maybe it's not. I think for me, um, it's really interesting because we're at a very interesting point musically. I'm like, I always say, okay, well, if it is jazz, then what? If it's not jazz, then what? It's not going to change what it is. You know what I mean? It's not going to change the output. Mm. And I think London has proved and has shown, London, Chicago, and a few other places have proven and has shown, like, irrespective of what people are calling it, it's having, like, social impact. So... Yeah, I don't really have the answer, really, because, like, I've seen both sides. I've been people like, well, it's not really jazz, is it? And by their description and estimate, some people might see it valid. And I'm like, I'm cool. You can hold your opinion there. Mm. And others, the opposite. So I don't know. It's tough. I can only really speak for myself, man. I think my thing is definitely connected to it. Yeah. I feel I'm connected to it. I don't feel it's the whole picture. Do you know what I mean? I feel if I have to say jazz, I have to also say soca and calypso and afrobeat and garage and grime Mm. and two-step and dub you know so it's as much those as it is the other and Mm. if people are okay for it to be that and then still call it jazz do you know what i mean it's not really mine to even define has there ever been like a reason as to why people say it's not jazz or doesn't have components of jazz to it like what is the kind of pinpointed kind of reason that people say or yeah. array of reasons why they're like oh it's not quite jazz or yeah, they turn yeah, their yeah, head yeah. at it or it's like it's not like my jazz in my day or you <laughs> it's know like people, said, the, do you know what i mean the convention yeah yeah, no, yeah, yeah i'd yeah. love to know like what is the the yeah. pinpointed answer because you'll get some purists you know. that are like there isn't a lot of purists hinge on like particular rhythms and like the swing rhythm right and be like well it's not jazz if it's outside of this which is a bit strange it's you know what i mean it's one rhythm or okay particular improvisation uh, improvisation languages like bebop or the post-bop so if you listen to like a charlie parker to a john coltrane and Mm. so on and so forth if a a musician say here doesn't display like they have that in their language 
people will be like, oh, well, it's not because they haven't really got that to, you know, which is again, like a musician purist thing. Do you know what I mean? And okay. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I can also kind of see where they're coming from because it's a language like anything else. Mm. If I, you know, claim to be fluent in Yoruba and couldn't speak this and that, is it Yoruba? You know what I mean? And like, that's mm. why I'm like, every example has to be defended by whoever's presenting it. You know what I mean? Like, right. but those are just some of the things that what, jazz purists might say oh there's not enough blues in there there's not enough swing in there there's yeah. not enough this and that but i don't know it goes back to the thing i was saying we as people have always been shapeshifters man mm. you, you can't look at that and say it's not that because i'm not felonious <laughs> monk you i'm know not miles you know what i mean so funny because as you say all of that i'm just thinking of hip-hop like literally yeah, i'm yeah, thinking yeah. of hip-hop and yeah. i'm thinking <laughs> i'm thinking of the conventionalists who yeah 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 say, uh, little Uzi Vert. It happened three, four years ago. Yeah, little yeah, Uzi yeah. Vert, you yeah, know, yeah. all the littles aren't exactly hip hop, yeah. but then the stems and the roots of it are just like you said, the evolution. They're just taking some yeah. certain parts of it yeah. and making it their own, or they're making subcultures from hip hop trap, you know, is yeah, a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it just, it's very reminiscent to say, yeah. oh, that one flow, you don't have that kind of freestyle kind of arena in you. You yeah, can't yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. it's, yeah, it's interesting to see the parallels. Do you find that there's, one little thing do you find that there's certain audiences that say that to you particularly that it's not jazz you know what like it usually groups. it's more so musicians that's usually so a musician thing. yeah 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 okay, cool. um whether it's a bit of thing or whatever and you know jazz musicians are funny people like <laughs> it takes a lot to be able to be proficient in like if we're gonna call it jazz like you know you have to learn so many styles so many songs and stuff so i can kind of understand a bit in this if you're seeing somebody being propelled to the top, doing all of this. And to you, they're not displaying the things that arguably are in that culture. Mm, yeah. I can understand it. Don't get me mm. wrong. It's the same in hip hop. But like yeah. the argument is for me is like, just because they don't display it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Do you know what I mean? And that's always been my thing. I'm, I'm always ready. If anybody wants to play those tunes, I can, but I'm not trying to prove I anything. Smoke. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm always ready. That was fighting for. You know, if it was like we a, can do this. if it was like we a, can play yeah, all night. Do you know what I mean? Here. It was like when Tyler did his freestyle on Pump Fest. I'm like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He showed it. It's like, yo, I've got bars and I could freestyle and I'm creative. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm gonna go do my thing. Do you get me and justify it on my own terms? But yeah. if you want that, whatever. But I loved your example of like Lil Uzi and them because I'm like, well. So what, man? It's so <laughs> you know what? So so if it's not, if it's hip hop, if it's not hip hop, there's an arena full of people that it's connecting to. Do you know what? It's so funny because <laughs> I would say it to his face, but Ebro, it's hilarious because he spearheaded this this interview and this piece on Hot 97 three, four years ago. And now via Apple, he's interviewing all these people and bigger than that. It's just, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, so yeah, funny yeah, how yeah, a couple yeah. of years can change and things. And a check. And, to be, and a check. <laughs> and a check. But to be honest, you can genuinely, you can genuinely see that he fucks with some of them now. Like Uzi, he's his biggest, one of his biggest yeah, supporters, yeah, yeah, even yeah, yeah. offline. Yeah. So it's, it's quite funny to just, see his trajectory i think we can all change we can yeah, all change no, of course but i just think it's funny that but that's always a sign of progress though isn't it, it when is. you've got the old guard saying this isn't something yeah it happens in every genre yeah even in jazz mm. louis armstrong was like bebop isn't jazz and all of that movement and so on and so forth uh branford and branford marsalis was cussing kamazi and robert glassman the other day like it happens all the time and i'm like yes, that is a sign that, yeah. that is a sign like there's progress happening yeah mm. <laughs> do you know what i mean just starting conversation <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, but yeah i'm glad you brought up hip-hop i actually love that both of you are always leading me up to my next question mm. <laughs> so speaking of hip-hop in numerous interviews you've said that 
Kendrick's To Pepper Butterfly was instrumental in helping jazz being brought to more mainstream audiences. Mm -hmm. But even before that, you could obviously say like, you know, people like Gangstar and A Child Quest and producers like Madlib and James Poyser, they were doing like jazz influenced hip hop earlier. So why do you think the music they made didn't pierce through the mainstream allowing jazz to have this renaissance until Kendrick? Like what was the difference when they were doing their stuff versus when Kendrick dropped. I think album. like just they weren't. They, I think all of those people you mentioned were more cult artists, really. Like as much as I love him and all of them, Madlib. Oh, Tribe called Quest Cult. I mean, I get what he means. Do you know what I mean? I Tribe are great. Means. They've you know like don't get me wrong. Tribe are a good example. Maybe not cult, but I'm thinking of like your Madlibs, your uh, Gangstar, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. your James Poisoner amazing artist I would argue and say Madlib's having his time now it, oh, yeah, it's now definitely. it's, you know yeah. it's definitely. now it's Trust now me. do you know it's what now. I'm saying and yeah. it seems that way when you see him touring he's living his best do you know what I mean he's living good he's living good and so he should be whereas like Kendrick is like the thing now do you know what I'm saying and I think he was at the top of his game whereas uh, I think we've okay if we take the example of a tribe called Quest or a day lost or or a day lost soul, it still was too close to that era. Do you know what I mean? Like Q-Tips, was it his dad a musician? Uh, I think, was it Q-Tip I'm thinking of? It was still, you got to think, New York hip hop is still so close to like, what, the early 90s. You still got Miles Davis potentially still alive, music. still making mm. music. You know mm. what I mean? Still sampling records, still working on stuff together. Still, Ron oh, Carter, you still, you know what I mean? Whereas like- yeah, it was still in tandem. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't that, Disconnect. It wasn't strange for someone in the '90s, maybe growing him up in Harlem, to know a bit about soul and jazz. Whereas, oh, like, they would love that. Do you know what I'm saying? No, yes, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas, like, in 2015, <laughs> to Pimp a Butterfly, like the average person, the average consumer at that age is quite disconnected because the music moved on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think. And no, I agree. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think Same. it was a long time since somebody at the height of their career, a Beyonce level. Uh, celebrity brought it back into the music in such a raw organic way mm. do you know what i mean whereas i don't think madlib and those guys would have had the same they've Essential. just been doing it it's not the same yeah. reach same visibility same yeah. visibility and even the reaction to uh, to kendrick is kind mm. of like the reaction we're getting now with rumors of his rock kind of yeah uh, his marriage of rock in this next album yeah, yeah, but yeah. um with with the jazz it, it starts a conversation exactly. it's like a why why where are we going yeah, yeah, with this yeah, like yeah, what we're yeah, trying yeah. to do yeah. but um i think I you're completely was very right happy. no it was, it was it's, 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 it's arguably one it's arguably his best project to some a big sect of his fans it's a, it's a long-standing debate and i am one. but i think <laughs> yeah, the yeah. fact that it caused that debate just echoes your point yeah, yeah, yeah there was yeah, a yeah. gap and it was, was like, no. oh, a mainstream hip hop act is dabbling here. What are we yeah, doing yeah, here? Moses hit it heavily, yeah. and it wasn't just dabbling. It was yeah. very much yeah. we're going deep yeah, he, diving yeah. into it. He heavily it, embraced, yeah. you know, because it he, wasn't yeah. influenced. Like he was, it was in it. It was in it. And Robert Glass was all it. up yeah. in that album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thundercats all up yeah. in there. Thund- yeah. Terrace Mott is all up in Layla Hathaway. Yeah. Whereas all- if he did it in the nineties, it wouldn't have been. I'm not saying it would have been a good album, but of course, it's it was more people were sampling jazz records. Like it wasn't that. Mm. unusual do you know what I mean because they were so they connected going back as well yeah, like yeah, they yeah. said Kendrick sounds like the 90s as well Sick. because that was when they were merging yeah, 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 those yeah, sounds yeah. as you said so I think that's a great point yeah uh, so my question links to what we've just spoken about as well um, synergy synergy I know right you the layup I'm going to take the shot so basically <laughs> um, my question is to do with talent versus um, work mm-hmm. 
So through this conversation, it's very apparent that you've done the research and mm -hmm. before like reading a few of your interviews with like Dummy Mag or um, I can't remember what Shopping's in a whole Shopping's in a whole link. So of Moses PR have been killing it. Yeah, <laughs> he's so. been everywhere. Yeah. My guy's got the Guardian, yeah. Independent. Before I forget my point, because I feel it going. I literally feel it going. Speak. Um, Speak. So how imp what for you? What is more important in terms of research versus talent, especially in the jazz field? I'd say it's more research than talent. Okay. Talent obviously plays a huge part, but a lot of people are talented. Um, and I think this is even outside of the jazz field, man. It's like, I'm, I'm about craft. Mm -hmm. Do you get me? Like I've seen, <laughs> I've seen so many gigs where like, for example, I always say this to my musicians, like I'm prepared to play without you. You know, <laughs> I'm prepared to do this on my, I've done so I can do a solo gig. Ooh. If you turn off the lights, if you cut the electricity, smoke. I play the drums. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, because this is Take happened. your money, sir. That's yeah. right. Take the coin. So like... You said you got the Colt 4-5 and you're you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've had situations like... We had a situation where we were going to Switzerland and um, for some reason, British Airways, long story, didn't let my guitarist on the plane with his guitar because he had the wrong case or whatever. So like my trumpet player, my keys player were like, what are we going to do? The gig's cancelled. I was like, nah, son. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. like he's an addition. Yeah. He's nice to have him, but we'll get through this because you can play. You can play and I can play. Yeah. Right. And that takes a level of craft where that. you, craft makes you malleable, makes you be able to walk in any room and be like, what Ooh. do I have here? If it's a shoestring and a, uh, a guitar. That's t-shirt worthy. Do you I know what I'm saying? Like craft is malleable. I love that. <laughs> that's that. my philosophy. I love that. You can adapt. That. If you haven't, if you haven't, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. If you haven't got craft, you're less adaptable. And that's the talent versus research. You know, I will always take the musician that's got the craft over the talent. You do get some rare instances where someone's so unique and talented that you just want that one thing. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Where like you listen to a Tony Allen, it's like, you've just, we just want to that. Do you get what I mean? That, that does happen. I'm not saying he's not got craft, but more often than not in my world, it's like, it's people, we were talking about it with um, Motown. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? You need the arranger, you need the, the writer, you need the engineer, you need the bass player. You can't risk things on like talent because talent isn't consistent. Mm. You get me? Talent is magic. You know what I mean? Whereas I'm not about that. I'm about, I can explain to you why this works and I can replicate it given multiple circumstances. Do you get me? Mm. And like, that's why music, as much as it is beautiful and it is an art, I think it often gets mid-sold at this kind of airy fairy, like, you know... You just wake up, you've got the vibe and you do it. I'm like, I can't, like, at least me being in studios, I don't see that often. Whether it's dub, whether it's reggae, whether it's jazz, whether it's pop, there's always someone that knows what they're doing and so can replicate it. You, you know? need to study. You need to study it, man. And so, I yeah. always say that. There's not <laughs> yeah. enough of that in this generation. Exactly. Yeah, People yeah, yeah. aren't studying. They're not you listening. Know? Which is why Kendrick's sick. Yep. <laughs> you know I mean? you can tell there's, there's a student attitude going on at mm. all times which oh, is why mm. a Raphael Sadiq is sick which is why you know and it, there's one in every you know there's multiple people in all the time do you know what I mean it's Robert Glasper's a student do you know what I mean definitely he's a nerd De definitely, <laughs> he's definitely. A nerd. you can hear it in his early albums like definitely. you know what I mean like Canvas and In My Element like he's all over that sort of Mulgrew Miller style playing and Herbie Hancock and that sort of Kenny Kirkland he's trying to be that thing but then he realized this thing, he used that to get to the next level. And mm -hmm. I think 
it should be like that in every field. Like talent is definitely important, but talent is just like one small part of it, I'd mm. say. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree. Because um, the reason I asked that question is because I'm thinking about all the other fields that are out there, like acting. I have acting friends who, or actors or actresses that have watched movies across the span of time, yeah. like from black and white to where there was no speaking in them to yeah. where it is now. And you can evidently see the difference in terms yeah. of their performance. You can see people are honing certain things from yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, different people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you for answering my question. No, no, it's cool, man. It's cool. We got probably five minutes left. So should we do one question each? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. do your thing. See, there's two. Mm. <laughs> I'll ask one off the record. Okay. <laughs> so this will just be, sorry guys. So uh, what was I going to ask? So Sanra will be off the record. Okay, cool. cool, cool. <laughs> but no, because um, I feel like this was very, this question's like very much for a British thing. So yeah, yeah. although this current movement we're in, is still in its infancy, you could argue. I truly believe like there are roots and foundations being made with Yub and Sazakema and Shabaka and Nubia and like Puma Blue, like so many. Because like, I feel like there's longevity being made and constant evolution, like you said earlier, mm. especially now that you guys are like playing Field Day and Love Supreme and there's Jazz Refresh and Church of Sound. Yeah, yeah. Unlike the era of the acid jazz scene, which we had in the 90s with the brand new heavies and incognito who yeah. i love love yeah, yeah, love yeah, love yeah. love love all those guys the brand new heavy got heavies asked me to do support for them once and, and you uh, said no yeah i'm oh. sorry shopper this <laughs> <laughs> had i known i would have you're not a fan no i'm a fan it just i, I can't remember what happened at the time we'll discuss yeah, off yeah, the yeah, air. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but you know so i wanted to ask you what did exactly did i how did i phrase it i said what is different about the moment we're in now compared to the acid jazz era so why didn't acid jazz era I guess stand the test of time. Oh, that's a that's a hard one. Um, For my British listeners, mm. <laughs> I don't know really. I think I was a bit too. I mean, yeah, I know the acid jazz era, but it's tough because I wasn't in it. Do you know what I mean? And I've spoken to like Giles, obviously, who's very. What did he say about? He always he's always said to me like now is different for very various different reasons. Like there's a lot more ownership. There's a lot more. Um, what's the word? There's a lot more de uh, deliberation, like decisiveness. There's a lot from the artists. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot more DIY. There's a lot more creating your own spaces from the ground up. Whereas the industry was so different back then. Do you know what I mean? Labels, um, access to pub publicity and all of that thing, which I'm grateful I have and have access to. Um, I guess I can't answer the full question, but at least what people have told me that have had lived through that era, you know, there's a lot more, you, best way to describe it is like user generated, like artist generated momentum. Mm. Um, whereas I think like a lot of scenes, I wouldn't say they relied, they were like reliant heavily on industry and what mm. uh, what the press would say about a movement to create it. Whereas like- A label support. A label support and all of that thing. Yeah. Whereas like- you know, I was touring, I've been touring for a couple of years and independently and without a proper release, promo, schedule, all of that stuff. And that didn't exist. And I'm grateful it exists now. And it's a concoction of so many things. 
technology, social media, um, access, you know, deals that didn't exist between artists and distribution. It's, um, we're in a golden age, man. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. I definitely feel we are. I and I don't even mean necessarily musically from the output. I mean, just from what you can do from your mobile phone is like incredible. incredible. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that would be my take on it. It would be really interesting to pose that. I'll ask that to Giles for you or something. Or, or, he yeah, yeah. or if he can cover the show, yeah. But because um, he can give you a much more detail, because yeah. yeah. you know he was so involved in it. I was, I was a you. Giles, I'm a speaking to existence. Giles is definitely a dream interview of mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. That man knows shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a great DJ. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. That's amazing. Um, I guess oh, there's so many questions. Um, do you feel like in this kind of as you, you literally just said it in terms of this this renaissance, this new moment, so many outlets such as like Jazz Refreshed as well, um, and so many of your peers killing it. Do you feel like, because I remember me and Shope had a conversation last year when I wanted to get into some newer jazz acts and like book shows and stuff. And he was like something to the effect of, and he'll, he'll recall back if, if I'm putting words in his mouth or not, but he said, good luck finding a black jazz artist or something <laughs> like that. Do you feel like this jazz scene right now has a race issue? And I, I, I just want to ask you that just because when I Google and when I did research for this article and everything, certain artists came, I had to dig a little bit deep. It wasn't hard, but yeah, I had yeah, to yeah, dig yeah. a little bit more until even the likes of you came up and you were in every interview I read, but until your picture came up, until yeah, other yeah, stuff yeah, came yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and until your peers came up, like as well, who were really killing it both here and in the States too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. does jazz have a race issue? Did it always have a race issue? What what are your thoughts on race and jazz? Well, the record, I don't remember saying this, but okay. <laughs> you said something to the effect. You said something to the effect of race and like there being more white jazz artists here yes, now. Definitely. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Maybe yeah, not yeah. the totality of it, yeah. but you said I something about I definitely say there's no race. black artist in jazz. <laughs> no, but yeah, you yeah, said yeah. good luck finding, it was a certain website I was no. looking for and you were like, good luck finding yeah. one on here, yeah, particular yeah. website, yeah, not yeah, the whole yeah, industry yeah, yeah. for context. I think race has always had a part to play in it for sure. And it's not always been um, an easy history for sure. You can look back to like, uh, what was, I, I can't remember the name of the band, the first ever quote unquote jazz recording was a uh, a white band that wasn't really an authentic f- I'll find their name for you so if you want to drop it in or anything but um yeah yes, please, definitely. Uh, to like the Paul Whiteman orchestra who was like you know we see it again and not even just in jazz you can always see like if you watch things like 20 feet from fame or just behind the scenes of what's going on like do you know what I mean you've all in in the music industry you always see like the originators and the people that created and how they've been usurped or covered up for another person do you know what I mean because maybe it's palatable maybe it's what the market wants to see I think that's run the whole course through history uh-huh. and I think particularly in the UK you know it's been a tricky um it's had a tough history of like, you know, the eighties. And, you know, when I talked to some of my elders that were in the sort of the previous boom to mine, maybe with your Courtney Pines, your Steve mm. Williamson's, your loose tubes, your Django Bates, you know, um, race, you, you can't really escape race in the UK. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're like what? 2%, two, 3% of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So we're always fighting, do you know what I mean? For mm. representation and accurate representation. Mm. Um, and, I think also 
taking it closer to home with our community. It is that. It is a community. I'm connected to Nubaya. I'm connected to Theon, Shabaka. Um, but I think also it's not the whole jazz scene. Do you know what I mean? And right. I think there are issues on a small scale with that, with whether it's people outside of London, um, up north, that kind of see all this press and, you know, have issue with like, oh, it's not representative of the whole thing. And arguably maybe it's not. But then I could sort of show you receipts and articles of the last 20 years that hasn't represented us. So it's always had like a complex issue. And it's not something I sort of let it take too much of my time because, you know, I do what I'd make the music first and deal with that later. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I let the art speak. But no, for sure, it definitely, you know, I think what my, uh, the people around me have been really good in doing is like sort of controlling those narrative, controlling those spaces, having access to putting their stories out. So it's not um, trying to, it, it kind of makes those control issues of pushing one narrative or uh, pushing this artist, it's kind of harder to do when like you, the artist, are the, the leader, the CEO, you put the gig on. On an early stage, it's not necessarily happening like that now. You've put the gig on, you've controlled how it looks, you've controlled the image, you've controlled who sees it, you control who buys the record and so on and so forth. That happened a lot in the early sort of days when me, TC, Theon Cross, sorry, for who's listening, yeah. Nubaya. Uh, so when it did get steam and it did get momentum, it was momentum, it was already kind of too late to control. It was already too late to kind of have that effect, but it does exist. It does exist. My community is one part of jazz in the UK. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily represent the the free scene you might see in Cafe Yotto and um, the Vortex or Roddy Scott's. And, you know, I can kind of see, I can see there are sort of, issues do you know what I mean with whether it's a press thing or on yeah. a musician level like people feeling there's not an equal light being shone do you know what I mean but it happens man yeah. do you know what I mean and yeah it's still there mm -hmm. but I think it's always been there it's always been complex with right. I wouldn't even say just jazz with just you know whether it's R&B whether it's hip-hop whether mm -hmm. it's pop do you know what I mean who's country. country you know what I mean black art it goes back to that essay I spoke about like you know we're not a culture intrinsically to frame something and put it in wall and preserve it. Do you know what I mean? So if we don't do that, somebody else will. So which means they have access and control to whose wall and what picture they're putting up, which I'm not necessarily saying is even a bad thing, but it's just like people need to be aware of the mechanics of how it works. Do you the know what I mean? Picture. The full picture, do you know what I'm saying? Which so. leads into my next question. So you're talking about the mechanics of how things work. Um, you said in an interview, again, it could have been on one of the 5,000. <laughs> um, you said something about how Spotify has helped lead people to your music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a black jazz artist, this is kind of a two-question type thing. One, how has it helped you in your career? Mm. But where is the weirdest place and genre you've seen your music placed in? Um, so how... Um... The algorithm is crazy. You know, sometimes I love it and sometimes I hate it. Like I'm very on the fence with all of these tech platforms, <laughs> to mm. be honest. Like they do a great lot of good, but also, you know, there's a lot more they could do. Mm. But it's free. I can't sit there and, you know, <laughs> expect too much from something that's free. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's not ours. We don't control. I can't, you know what I mean? So like it is nuts how like um, I've got this thing, like this hotline where I don't know if you lot know about it, where essentially you could, not this phone, but I have a phone, anyone can reach me basically via Spotify. My number's given out, it takes you to WhatsApp. 
And what? Can, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't advertise it too much, but it's there for like the super fans in a way. And I got what? the idea from Ryan Leslie. Shout out Ryan Leslie. Okay. You know what I mean? But so anyway. You've got, a num- you've got numbers. Yeah, yeah. And if you go on Spotify now, which you showed me, you showed me the yes. artwork. There was a number there, right? Yes. <laughs> if you message that number, it will go to a phone, which is somewhere at home. So what's sick for me is when I sit at home and somebody's like, yo, I'm from like deep Russia. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I'm listening to your thing. That is and so funny because so like it's it's a thing now. Like yeah. artists are doing that with music. So it's mm. cool that it's real. Like yeah. it's a real because sometimes it's not a real phone. Like it's just automated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but it's me. No, it's me, that's man. Amazing. You know, it takes a while to get a response, of but you know, but you have to communicate. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got people that I've met all. <laughs> look at him looking it up I'm now. Trying, trying, trying He's it. trying to get some numbers. <laughs> I tell you what, the easiest way to do it if you go to Twitter and like go in like the bio, there's a link that says WhatsApp hotline. Just click it and it'll start a combo with me. Um, but anyway. We love to see it. Um, even outside of that, like when I look at the metrics and stuff and see where my music goes, it's pretty nuts, man. And like that wouldn't have really been possible because, you know, distribution has its uh, limitations. I can't always get a record to like the Black Forest in Russia mm. or like in Hawaii or something like that. But yeah. the fact that I can be connected you know, all of these platforms. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at your face. No, nah, this, this is wild. This is like, where is the number? Wow. Where is the number? To WhatsApp and your number is right there. I'm just like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's there, man. Wow. Yeah. Nah, I'm sorry. Don't know. No, no, no. Or you can go to chat no. to Moses.com. Nah. You know when, what I mean? When the That's... podcast gets on that level, we're not doing that. I'm sorry. Don't text my phone. <laughs> like, I'll talk to you off air about yeah. it, but it's, it's an know, interesting chat to Eden and shop. <laughs> but I've got stuff to be doing. Oh, no, definitely not me. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. So, so. But now it's important because like, I think for me, what I realize is as good as these platforms are, there is still like a mediation issue. There's a middleman yeah. or, or woman or whatever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there's only so far you can reach your fans. And that's why I set that up. Do you know what I mean? So it has been incredible. Do you know what I mean? Whether you're linked to different artists through related artists or playlisting. And, you know, I get all sorts of bad plays from different places. Also, it's interesting to see how people resonate to what songs. We were talking about the album and you were like, I like Yo-Yo and this. And I'm like, I didn't think people would like that as much as they did. Or that song and Drum Dance at one point was my most popular. No, uh, Neptune. No, I can't remember what it's called. Neptune's a Neptune was like my most popular song. I never played that live. I've only ever played it once we record it. And I'm like, how? Like, it's really interesting. So, you know, shout out to them for sure. Um, but what was the second part to your question? You were... Uh, so the first part was how, how and the second you? part is like the weirdest place you've seen your um, album or song, the genre you've seen. Because I know there's a black Twitter playlist now and there's a black... <laughs> oh, is there? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm going to know. Oh, yeah, like, uh, I am dead. Black Twitter. I'm not sure, you know. I'm not sure. I'd have to do a dig, really. Who created that? Um, yeah, I want to know who's in control of it. Cause... I'm not sure. I'm not sure on streaming. I think I'm more blown away when it's physical. When I go to like yeah. Cape Town and I see my record, I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like people are chatting to me about my music. I'm like, this is like the bottom of the earth. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, or, uh, music is powerful. It's mad, man. It and that's, you know, it does travel. Mm. It does travel. Or if you're in Texas and people have hit me up on the hotline, like, yo, I've got, people show up with all the stuff I've done. Like, can you sign it? I'm like, wow, what? that's crazy. I haven't even got the latest album yet. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> How are you getting it? How are you getting it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I know he didn't want to, to wrap this up, but I feel like this has to be educational. Well, this has been educational, but I feel like I want it to be fundamental to our listeners getting new music. So 
if you could share a couple of pivotal, 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 am I saying it correctly? Mm -hmm. Yes, pivotal jazz albums that new jazz fans should listen to if they want to get into jazz. <laughs> what are some pivotal jazz albums or artists? Oh man, I would say Miles Davis, Nefertiti. That's one. That's that was choice. like in the 60s. Um, it's a very interesting time for Miles. He switched bands to his what's known as like the second great quintet, um, which is where you get Herbie Hancock. You get the beginnings of a Herbie Hancock career, Tony Williams and Ron Carter. Ron Carter's like the most recorded bass player in history. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on everything, man. Hip hop, classical, jazz, country, everything. Um, and it's just one of my favorite albums. It's a beautiful piece of music that just has such a texture and a color to it. Um, going on a bit further, I would say um, Robert Glasper. I'd say In My Element, actually. I love Black, Black Radio and In My Element, but more so In My Element because it was that kind of early, it was still very like acoustic, but he was kind of channeling a lot of like Jay Diller rhythms and oh. uh, interludes and kind of pushing the boundaries of what maybe jazz should be or is. It felt more like a hip hop record, but mm -hmm. very acoustic, which I thought was really cool. And I got into that when I was in like secondary school. Uh, I mean, sorry, college. And it was really influential to me. I'd say Herbie Hancock, Actual Proof. No, what's the album? Is it Actual Proof? Is that the album? Actual Proof is on it, but what's the album called? Thrust. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's called Thrust. Uh, yeah, Thrust. Yeah. Herbie Hancock, Thrust. Um, that's like the beginnings. I wouldn't credit it completely, but it's like a great era of where like jazz steps into the funk realm. Do you know what I mean? And synthesizers <laughs> and... Uh, kind of really psychedelic but funky that you could play at a barbecue and like mm. it just anyone can get it without I'm not trying to say you have to be that well knowledgeable on it um, but moving into the new I would say something like um, like a Sons of Ken Kemet Your Queen is a Reptile is a great that's album that's a great album yeah that's a great album um, I would say Black Focus for sure by Yusuf Kamal it's a great record um, Nubaya Garcia's Five. Um, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's just called a Five. Um, Zara McFarlane's Arise is a great record to get into sort of... Yeah, Zara's a really interesting artist full stop. Um, I'm trying to think now. I should know more, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, you've said some great stuff. Um, no, nah, there's, there's definitely more, man. What's... Yeah, Katie Tatum? Who? Katie Tatum? Kai, oh man. He's flipping hell. Kaidi, Kaidi Tatum, yeah. So I've been saying it wrong all this time. Yeah, yeah, Kaidi, 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 yeah. Um, but Kaidi's so prolific. Like his last album, I can't remember what it's called, but um, he's just got so many things. Him and Digo, 2000 Black, like a lot of that broken meat movement, those Digo and Kaidi are like proper musicians, man. And like Kaidi's like our Herbie Hancock. Do you know what I mean? So anything you can find with Kaidi Tatum, um, strongly recommended, as well as I would say um, Steve Williamson is he's got a few albums, Rhyme Time and A Waltz for Grace, and he's also got one he did with The Roots, which I can't remember what it's called, but he's from the UK and he's one of our elders, 
and he was one of the ones that were kind of like pushing just forward thinking writing concepts merged together that I don't think still has had been given his flowers you know what I mean um it's just important just to check, I'd say. Do you know what I mean? It's a great record and he's a great artist. Well, thank you for that. I think you've given us and the <laughs> listeners some homework. Some yeah, homework. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Some homework. Cool. I had one last question. So we ask every guest this. This is Don't Let The Stands. So if you could give us someone that you stand. I don't know if you know what that word means. but Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'll we had that whole that conversation in the car. <laughs> Who do I stand? I'm a Prince stan. Really? Good yeah, choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good yeah. choice. Favorite Prince album. Wow. There's <laughs> a lot of The them. first one. Okay. The first Interesting. one. Interesting. Soft okay. and wet. Mm, um, okay. He's played every instrument, the songwriting. Mm. I mean, 1999 is cool. Um, he's got so many good ones, but I think, I never get why no one talks about the first one. I'm not going to lie. As a Prince fan, the first two albums are a bit... What? I just kind of felt like he was quite undeveloped as an artist. Back oh then. yeah, I, I can like, see. The talent yeah. is there, but yeah, 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 like, yeah, in yeah. terms of songs... I can get, he's not really Prince yet. I get, yes, I get you. That's I get exactly you completely. What it is. But maybe that's why I like it. Cause it's like, I do love obviously what's come after that, but there's something about that. It's so raw. He's like, this, like the opening intro with the vocal. Yeah. It's like, it's art. Man. Like it's I can appreciate incredible. it. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think maybe for me, I heard like the bigger albums first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then yeah, I went yeah. back. But yeah. for me, my favorite is Controversy. Okay. Like my favorite Prince yeah, album. Yeah, 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 but yeah. when I heard the first album, I'm a bit like, did you get to see him? No. I saw oh, him, man. I got to see him. When you can't see him. Yeah. yeah. I saw him on his last run and it was, yeah, it was a That's emotional. lucky. That yeah. is really proper, lucky. Proper, proper, proper. That's I always wonder what would have happened if Michael Jackson's This Is It went ahead. Yeah. yeah. I always wondered. Yeah. I feel like it would have been From incredible. the documentary, it looked like it's going to be a really good show. Which yeah. Is gonna be, it would just have been a huge tour. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. phenomenal career-defining tour. Yeah. I think. Personally, but. but anyway, Eden wants us to show up now. No, I <laughs> don't make me the bad guy. But thank you very much for coming on, Moses. Thank we really you. appreciate pleasure, it. Pleasure. Yeah, and the runaround we had today. Yes, it will be a story we'll forever tell. <laughs> um, but guys, that has been Don't Let the Stands. As always, D A T S P O D, Instagram, Twitter, Vero, individually, Eats McKenzie, I'm N Tyrell, Shope Showerton, Moses Boyd. Is your Twitter Moses Boyd or is it Moses, Moses Boyd, Boyd Exodus? Exodus. Yeah, 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 Moses Boyd's Exodus. Um, and make sure you subscribe to anything that you can. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, I don't know if I've forgotten any, but just check them out using D-A-T-S-P-O-D. Cool. Enjoy and the rest get of Moses' new album, Dark Matter, out now. Okay. Yeah, thank you. That's a PR in, shop, in Shopee coming out. All right. Enjoy the rest of your week. Peace. Bye.